what's the pleasure that you get from you know buying a Ferrari or, or buying a McLaren or something like that? You get a decent amount of pleasure, but it wears off after what maybe a few weeks or something. Yeah. In order to get that, we're literally talking maybe three four years of reading a book a week, of meditating every single day, of going to the gym every single day, of showing up and doing deep focus work every day. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of the show. Enjoy. Today's We Are LA Tech podcast shout out goes to Demo Day podcast recording out of Santa Monica with Sean Goldfadden. I hope that I'm pronouncing your last name right. Sean, thank you so much for listening to the We Are LA Tech podcast. The Instagram message that you posted was so great. Really appreciated it. It's because of you guys that I keep this going since 2014. Can you believe it? Say hello to Demo Day Podcast on Instagram. That's Demo Day Podcast on Instagram. Let them know you found them via We Are LA Tech. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. I am hyped to be back doing the We Are LA Tech podcast. Right now, I'm toward the end of my stay in Europe. I just climbed Snedonia Summit in Wales. It's absolutely incredible. You could hear the wind. I'm walking past waterfalls. Animals are eating in the pasture. It's like, it's crazy. I'm looking at these like gorgeous mountains. It's just, I can't even believe my eyes. I think connection and experiences are just vital, vital to your life. And it's something as the tech community, we just sacrifice so much and we forget to live and to connect. And that's why I'm so proud to have built the Experience Club strong since 2015. Really looking forward to being back and bringing everyone together. It's hard to even believe that I've produced over 400 experiences so far for the LA tech community, from skydiving to clay pigeon shooting, horseback rides, it's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. If you want to see some cool pictures of the cool experiences we've done, you can go to wearelatech.club. That's wearelatech.club. Looking forward to being back in action. If you'd like to be featured on the We Are LA Tech podcast, remember to go to wearelatech.com and shoot us a message. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast featuring a really, really special episode with someone who has taught me so much and inspired an incredible amount of people, Iman Gaji. I'm a part of his community. It is a pleasure and a gift to be able to interview him and share his story with everybody here. He just had an incredible mastermind in Los Angeles. He's based in London. Literally, his work blows my mind. How he functions as an entrepreneur is just awe-inspiring, and I'm really looking forward to sharing his story with you. You make, what, $100,000 a month net profit and have no investors? A little bit more than like, that. <laughs> yeah, crazy. And you just bought a school in Nepal. Correct. And you're 19. <laughs> Yep. Okay. <laughs> I'm just making sure I'm getting it all right. So I'd like to introduce to you, Iman. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Okay. So I've been really excited about interviewing you and about having this podcast because you're a person that has created not only such significant impact on my life, but on many people's lives. And what I love about the way you operate your business is that you have this highly engaged community of ambitious doers. And 
you make sure that you profit in everything that you do and you give back to philanthropic areas. You're just a really well-rounded person Mm -hmm. and you believe in balance, which is unheard of in the (laughs) tech industry. Grow Agency, which is my education company that shows people how to build their agency, start their agency, scale their agency all the way up to seven figures a year profit. And you have an agency yourself. And I have an agency myself. So go ahead, tell us a little bit about the event that you had in Los Angeles, and let's take it from there. Yeah, so I had a uh, a little mastermind out in L.A. Funny enough, most of my customer base is actually out in L.A., even though I live in London personally. So uh, yeah, this is directly after Bali. Wanted a new location for one of my masterminds, had never done one in America. So did a little poll on my Instagram, and people went crazy, so we did it. When did you start your journey as an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. Roughly when I was 14, yeah. And you live in London, but you're not from London. Where are you no, from? originally from Russia. Have you ever seen Borat? No, I haven't, but I know who Borat okay, is. Okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I come from a little village similar to the one in Borat, funnily enough, uh, for any of you guys who are into MMA, if you guys know Khabib, I'm basically <laughs> from there. And why Los Angeles? Uh, why Los Angeles? Well, I mean, I live in London, but in all fairness, I probably should be living in LA. I would love it if you lived in LA. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people actually would have loved, yeah. loved it if I live in LA. But um, yeah, at least in the online marketing space, the legends, they live out there. The, the best talent lives out there. So in all fairness, I actually feel a little isolated out here in London uh, now that I think about it. But um, why LA? Honestly, I've never seen like more ambitious, creative entrepreneurs than out in LA, and I just had to get into the mix. So everybody listening doesn't know the things that I know um, that are, are important to you, meditation, um, sleep, and driving a profitable business, community, all the pieces that come together. Can you give a little background on, on how you operate day to day? How do I operate day to day? Well, for me, as you mentioned, it's all about balance and it's all about I mean, to me, I just don't see how you can run a profitable business and a long-term business without taking care of your, both your physical and mental health. Um, so for me, look, if you're trying to play the long game, which I'm definitely trying to play, then I don't see the point in going pedal to the metal. I don't see the point in driving yourself to burnout. If you can look at your workload and you can try to get to, because let's be honest, most people aren't even operating at 30, 40% efficiency. Right. So I would much rather work five, six hours a day, or at least focus on five, six hours a day of work and be at 80, 90% efficiency than, you know, most other people that are doing nine, 10 hours of, of fake, not deep yeah. work uh, while they've also got Facebook open and they're listening to some, you know, mellow beats on Spotify and this thing and that thing. And, you know, they're really only operating at 20, 30%. That's a term that you use a lot. Um, deep focus, mm-hmm. deep work. Um, what does that mean to you? Deep focus work is a flow state. It's a state where, you know, you really just lose track of time. And I, I think we all know what deep work is. I mean, if you don't just read the book, deep work. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, deep work really is about no distractions, uh, no distractions. And it's about me being selfish short term so I could be selfless long term. So when I'm in a state of deep work, I haven't checked my phone all day. Uh, I don't care if my employees are messaging me on Slack. I'm, I refuse to turn on Slack until 12.30, 1 p.m. I refuse to check my email. I refuse to check Instagram. I refuse to let anyone rob me of my time until I've been selfish myself that day, until I've meditated, until I've gone to the gym, uh, until I've done the things that are going to build the systems in my business to drive it forward. You know, Every single morning, I have to be selfish so that way I can drive my company forward and I can be more selfless. So you said you have to be selfish in order to be selfless. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. And even in dating or with your friends, you apply the same thing, making sure to take care of yourself mm-hmm. first, right? Yeah, I mean, we have uh, long discussions about, um, you know, interpersonal relationships, yeah. boundaries, stuff like that. Um, and to me, to me, I, I carry that same thing through, you know, the most selfless people on earth, they have to be selfish first and foremost with their own attention, with their own time in order to do the things and have the innovation and, you know, build the things that is going to change and impact as many people's lives as possible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I mean by that. I think a lot of people listening always feel that, Oh yeah, you, you think you could do that, but my wife or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or husband is going to say, or my kids are going to say they need me or somebody's going to, my teammate's going to ping me with an emergency or my coworker needs something from me right away. What do you say to 
all of those distractions? Um, well, look, at the end of the day, uh, you know, obviously one that was very close to home for me was my mom. Uh, when I dropped out of school, yeah, dropped out of school. I forgot to mention that <laughs> yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I dropped out of school, obviously she was absolutely devastated. Um, our relationship was probably ruined for a solid six to nine months. But, you know, I had to be selfish. I had to take that time for myself. And, you know, now that I'm supporting her, taking care of her, <laughs> no complaints on her end. And I say the same thing for relationships and past relationships. I'm very upfront, like work and my purpose to me yeah. comes first. And, you know, I even tell like past partners, you know, would you rather have me for the whole day, but it's only a 20, 30% version of myself? Or would you rather let me do what makes me happy and what fulfills me, which is at the end of the day, first and foremost, my purpose, my vision, what I want right. to accomplish in my life. And then you have a hundred percent me, someone who's showed up when it comes to work, showed up when it comes to their health. And if I've showed up in those areas, then I'm also going to show up in my relationship. If you're comfortable answering this, you talked about how, and I didn't know this until we were talking on the mm -hmm. podcast, that you didn't talk to your mom for like six to nine months, or you guys didn't talk to one another when you made this decision to go all in mm -hmm. on growing your company because you needed to be selfish before you could be selfless. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that when we all... When we all want that security of our family or our friends or that approval, and it's so hard when we don't even know if we're making the right decision, how do you emotionally have the the strength or stamina to or confident mm. that? Like, mm. how'd you do that? I mean, I know you like love your mom. She is <laughs> yeah. one of the most important people in the world to you. So this wasn't like a relationship where you're like, oh, whatever. Mm -hmm. This is like someone royally important to you. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? Um Anytime you try to make any improvements in your life, you will just be, you will be a reflection of other people's insecurities. And you need to understand that if, you know, if someone's ever throwing negativity your way, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. And once you understand why that is, for example, with my mom, you know, we come from a very, very poor background and she's been through genuinely unspeakable things. Uh, to get me to London to like get me the education and like we, we, we've just had a, a very, very interesting upbringing, uh, very, very tough uh, financially, emotionally, in all ways, really. So you got to picture this. My mom is 23, working three jobs. My grandma's taking care of me. We're literally in this village in Russia. Um, I lived there for the first three years of my life. Like I'm talking like actual like actual poverty you know my grandma's house there's no toilet it's one of those uh, you know little barns in the back you yeah. squat in <laughs> um so we, you know we're coming from a, from a pretty rough place and my mom finds a way to get us over to london puts me in private education and you know for the next 14 years is basically or yeah for the next 14 years is basically battling you know just battling everything just literally sacrificing her entire life to find a way to keep me in that school and keep me uh, you know um provide me with that education because she always thought that education was the way out i always agreed with her but i just always thought it was self-education not formal um so she so much of her self-identity was placed on the fact that she managed to do that for me so for me at 17 to basically turn around and be like yeah um Thank you for all of this, but um, I think I'm just going to go do my own thing. That was so painful to her, and that collapsed a lot of her self-identity, and th that was harder for her. Like, I even told her at the time, I'm like, let's be honest, this is less about, because, you know, I wasn't, I didn't just make the decision, oh, I'm going to drop out of school and, you know, be a CEO and right. you know, be a multimillionaire and this thing and that thing. No, like, I, it was a very strategic decision. By the time I dropped out of school, I was already making $6,000 a month. I was making more than my teachers were, more than my principal was, right? And it, and not just like one-off months, like these were long-term contracts. And I'd been, I'd, I'd had a track record of, you know, making a good amount of income leading up to that point, uh, or at least just knowing how to. So it's not like it was some weird rash decision. It was very calculated. I even said to her at the time, this is more about you than it is about me. And I understand why this is so painful for you. And I understand that so much of your self-identity is placed on the fact that you were able to do this for me. And I'll be forever grateful for the fact that you've got me to this place. But let's be entirely honest with each other. We are screwed. <laughs> and that was our situation. We were screwed. Like if I, like honestly, like even there was something that happened last year where like, uh, you know, legally 
uh, my mom and my stepdad got divorced and, and that that thing cost me 300,000 <laughs> and I learned how you know messy divorce can be and stuff like that um and we, for example like one of my stepdad's first requests is you have to leave the house that you've been living in for 14 years um and she literally would have been homeless if it wasn't for the fact that I built this business I could protect her keep her safe stuff like that and there's been tons of other instances where I've been able to do that for her so you know, if you're listening to this and, you know, you're wondering, what will my wife think? What will my mom think? Et cetera, et cetera. What they're going to think is that what they're going to think is the first thing they're going to think about when you are wanting to improve your health, right? Let's say that you're with a partner who doesn't focus on their health too much. When you're trying to improve your health, when you're trying to eat cleaner, when you're trying to go to the gym, et cetera, et cetera, they're not thinking, oh, how could he do this to me? He knows that... You, you know, how could he do this to me? This thing that they're thinking, oh my God, if he works on his health, then he might leave me. <laughs> or in my mom's scenario, right. it, she wasn't thinking, oh, he's making such a rash decision because it's so logical for, you know, it's so logical for us being on government benefits. I, I don't know what your guys' version of that yeah. is in America, but in, welfare. Yeah, welfare. Yeah. Like we were on welfare, basically the, yeah. the British version of it. Oh, she wasn't thinking, oh, it's logical or, or it's, it's so um, irrational that we're literally on welfare. Yeah. We have no money. I have, you know, I, we have no support whatsoever. My right. mom's been through over a decade of, you know, emotional, you know, over two decades prior to that yeah. physical, emotional abuse, just the, the worst things that you can imagine. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't even know how she wakes up every single day with a smile on her face, let alone, you know, be a productive member of society. So her first thinking wasn't, oh, it's so rational that he's doing this. Her first thought was, if he leaves school now, what does that say about the last 14 years of my life? Mm. So it was more about her than it was about me. And yeah. I knew that. And I knew that it would ru ruin the relationship for a bit. But as I said, I knew that I had to be selfish in order to be selfless long term. And that's how it's panned out. And you had the confidence because you saw that things were already Mm -hmm. happening. Um, one of the things that you shared on your Instagram story that I thought was really cute, and there's nothing wrong with being a waiter. I was a waitress. I was a mm -hmm. graveyard waitress. I was a dishwasher, so I can say this, but mm -hmm. you went to some steakhouse with your mom, mm -hmm. and she's like, wow, you're mm -hmm. paying for dinner, and you could have been the waitress. She, 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 so she she even said, because my mom, as, as I said, yeah, we were, on, we were on basically welfare, but prior to that, she worked minimum wage for years, multiple jobs, just to kind of keep us afloat. Um, so she knows what a, what a long, hard day of work getting treated poorly by people was. So she said this in, in, and she even said that she's like, look, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not saying this in a, like, a, I'm not saying this in a judgmental way. Yeah. It's not like demeaning. That, yeah. Or in a demeaning way. Yeah. Exactly. She's just like, it, it's so crazy to me that you probably sh at you at your age, 19, you should be the one serving us right now. Like not even. Not even it's it, it's crazy that you aren't. It's like th that's what a nineteen year old does. Yeah. So it's, she's like, it, it's still so crazy to me that the fact the fact that you know you're not the one waiting us. You're the one paying for the six seven hundred pound bill. That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know she's um she's a superwoman. Yeah, it sounds like it. There's so many things that I respect about you that you do differently than our tech culture promotes. And that's a uh, balance. You take meditation and I see you've been doing a whole detox. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> Tell us more about that. For me, meditation and mindfulness, it's funny, I've actually just come back on a two week vacation. Mm -hmm. And it's even funny yesterday, just seeing how sort of scrambled my mind is. And on that two week vacation, obviously, you know, I didn't follow the same morning routine. I actually didn't meditate for, for two weeks, first and foremost. I didn't take my phone out of my vault at 1 p.m. I didn't have focus on my computer. I, I let myself just enjoy myself and, yeah. and, and have a holiday as one should. But, you know, even just coming back now on the first day back from my holiday, I can see how just scrambled my thoughts are compared to how they were before. So, as I said, you know, for me, the most important priority is deep focus work. To me, I want to focus on how can I get maximum output and efficiency out of my work blocks and out of my work day. Yeah. And then from there, I can start scaling the actual amount of time I put in. Um, so to me, the mo the best way to do that is meditation, self-care, and just making sure that when I'm working, there's no other thought in my head. 
that's why those things mean so much to me. One entrepreneur I've always admired is Jason Fried, who built a company called Basecamp. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with it. Okay. And he tells a story about you can't just go into a cupcake shop and take a cupcake for free or else the bakery would never exist. And he's like, in the tech world, everybody is just giving everything away for free. And there's no clear value proposition. What I really respect amongst the many things about you is that you have a profitable business, that you don't have investors, mm -hmm. that you just build value that people want to pay for. I mean, so novel, mm -hmm. but <laughs> most people in our world don't do that. So can you tell us a little, I mean, it sounds so obvious, two plus two equals four, but for some reason, two plus two doesn't equal four in tech. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So, I mean, look, uh, at the end of the day, tech is a very, very different world. Having investors is a very different world. I architect my life in such a way I have a cash flow based business. Rather than having that 30 or $40 million exit and then before living off of pot noodles, I would much rather have, and because I'm, I'm relatively young, um, I'd much rather have a good lifestyle leading up to it. So for me, it was never really a question of not being profitable. I you know, I, it, with the agency, it's me, one full-time employee, no offices. And, you know, we're making last month, we cleared nearly 80,000 pounds, actually. Yeah. I, actually, now that the, the pound's gone down, <laughs> near enough the same. But yeah, it's circa 80,000 pounds actually last month and profit. And that's with me, one employee, and I work maybe one to two hours a week on my agency because, you know, the lion's share of my time, attention, and effort is going to the education company. But I see it with other agency owners out there that, you know, they're so proud of their 30, 40 employees, their swanky office. Right. And then you look at their P&L statement and what are they left with? You know, net cash flow, 30,000 and they have an investor. Right. Right. So, you know, you have fun with your 30, 40 employees, all that stress, uh, huge company offices, all these moving parts. And I'll just run my boutique agency at home in my slippers <laughs> and, you know, make three, four times what you make. And to me, that's what's important. My agency is my cash flow, my lifestyle business, my education company. If I need to invest in a custom portal, and I was even thinking about this earlier this year, and it costs half a million dollars, I don't care. With my education company, if there's, if we make three, four million in revenue and we don't take home anything and, and not for no reason, not just because I've got some ridiculous expenses and I don't know how to read my cash flow properly, which is most companies out there. <laughs> yeah. Just because I'm genuinely investing in something that I know brings back a better yield or brings back a genuine better customer experience. And then I'm fine doing that because that's my passion project. Mm -hmm. Whereas with my agency, I love my agency. I love my clients, but it's not something where like, where at, you know, on my deathbed, I'm going to be thinking, Oh man, I'm so glad I, I built that boutique Facebook ads agency. For me, that is my cash flow and my lifestyle business. And I think more people need to be honest with themselves as to what they want out of life. You know, as I said, I don't want to roll the dice on a 0.01% chance of a 30, $40 million exit. I just want a business that gives me the lifestyle that I want, that helps me support my mom, that helps me build schools wherever I want to build schools. That That's what I want out of life and might be different from some other people, but I know what I want. And even founders who do exit for a huge amount, the thing that breaks my heart is more times than not is they've given away so much percentage of their company. The founder who created it, who had the idea, who did the majority of the execution is left with almost nothing. It's, yeah. it's pretty it, it, it is. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. And I just can't imagine not having ownership and control of the cash flow of my company. To me, that's, uh, that's why I would never have a business partner. Now, granted, I can literally start the businesses that I've started. I can start them with zero. I'm not naive or, or I don't look down upon other founders out there that genuinely need an injection of three, four million. A lot of my early clients, you know, I started working with them after they got their series A or their series B. So, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not naive in, uh, enough to, to look down upon it, but I agree with you. It's, it's, I look at the tech space in the same way that I look at the, the sport, um, you know, boxing, for example, right. where it's like, I see so many people, the people that work the hardest actually end up just getting screwed over in the end. Yeah. And they end up with so little considering how much they put in. Yeah. One thing I love that you always emphasize is you always talk about net profit. You don't talk about gross, which I, which I love. And you brought it up, but I just want to like really make it clear. When you say you cleared 80,000 pounds, you mm -hmm. mean you netted 80,000 yeah, pounds. Yeah. And I love that you speak in that way because most people talk about gross profit and the expenses aren't addressed and they could be 
leaving with $5 out the door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so to that, yet another thing I really respect about you is that you really pay attention to returns with your clients. What kind of returns do you get and how did you get there to be able to deliver such mm-hmm. awesome returns? So the the education company on average does around $150,000 a month profit. The agency does around... Net profit. Yeah. 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 And the agency does around fifty to 80000 a month. Now, the agency at this point is really just a almost a case study for the education company. My education company is predicated on the fact that I built a, in, in my terms, a very successful agency considering yeah. the amount of time that I've put in, the clients that we work with, uh, the return from it. Um, my general level of stress from it uh, is very, very, very low. T- to me, it really all just comes down to education. I l- absolutely love the fact that my clients, because we do a lot, a lot of vetting with our clients. Right. I've had clients, I've had $15,000, $20,000 month retainers that have come across my desk that I've said no to because I've done a little bit more digging around the company, their products, and found out that I just can't stand by it. And right. I can't, you know, I can't help them take their company from 300 k a month to 600 k a month when I just don't even believe in them. Right. Um, but I love the fact that all of my clients have done it. So I love the fact that I'm helping, because here's the thing, I only know about how to build a successful, I know how to build a successful info product education company. I know how to build a successful agency. Right. But I know very, very little about real estate. So I love the fact that I have clients who have been in real estate for 10, 15 years. Right. And they have an education company surrounding it. So they can perpetuate real education. Right. So to me, it all just comes down to how can we get real education to as many people as possible. The vehicle in which they get it yeah. or the lane in which they get it, that I'm not as concerned about right. just as long as they're building their dream life. Right. So that's what I've done with the agency. It's, it's all synergistic. So my education company is an info product business and we, within the ag- agency, we help other info product businesses in other right. niches. Right. And we also help some e-commerce clients and stuff like that. But once again, the e-commerce clients are all products we believe in. Now, with the agency, we're able to get such good returns for our clients because we're living and breathing it every single day within the education company. As I said, they're synergistic. When I manage to scale up spend for the education company or I manage to get better return on ad spend for our webinar funnel, then I can carry that same thing into different niches. And, you know, one thing that's absolutely hilarious, you know, I actually just had a call with one of our clients yesterday. We're currently at uh, 4.5x on cold. So basically what that means is you spend $1, make back $4.50. You spend $10,000, make back $45,000, et cetera, et cetera. And that's purely, purely cold. That's No one has ever heard about this guy ever before, before entering the webinar funnel. Right. On my own education company, I struggled to get a 1.5x on cold. Really, the 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 campaign total or the ad account total, the way that we get you know a two or two uh, 2.5x you know campaign total is through the retargeting is all of the cold traffic that feeds the retargeting audience. So basically, the point that I'm trying to get you know without getting too into the weeds, the point that I'm trying to get across is the hilarious thing is all of my clients pretty much make a better return uh, from a ROAS perspective, not yeah. not total revenue. Um, from their advertising campaigns than I do for mine because I'm in such a hyper-competitive space. But you beta test the campaigns that work on yours and then you utilize the ones that work on theirs. I, I don't I don't really beta test. It's just because we have so much experience at this point. Yeah. For us, really, if we're not... Like most of our clients are making anywhere from fifty to 300000 a month from our service, which to me is nuts. Yeah. Like sometimes I, I stop and I think about... And, and, and that's a return on ad spend. That's not total revenue. Right. So I think about it and I'm just like, most people are struggling to make 20000 a month from their entire business. Right. And we're making most of our clients fifty to 300000 a month. Yeah. Return on ad spend. Yeah. So yeah, we just have some incredible case studies at this point. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, very proud of, you know, the agency that I managed to build and, and the service delivery. And that's why we've got such a long waiting list uh, of clients looking to work with us is because we work with a select few. Um, a lot of our clients, we also have a percentage of ROAS deal. So obviously, you know, if we're making them 50 to a hundred thousand a month, yeah. 150,000 a month return. And for on people ad spend. who don't know what uh, ROAS re- is. Return on ad spend. Okay. So, you know, we're making them, if we're making them a hundred thousand, you know, return on ad spend, then obviously we get a, a piece of the pie and we're more incentiv- incentivized to push further. So I want to get into two things. One, your Facebook group. And then of course your vision of how you want to help schools abroad. But let's first talk about your Facebook group because it's awesome. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. It's awesome. It's not just a Facebook group. 
Tell no. me. Tell. I mean, I already know everything about it because <laughs> I love it. But <laughs> so um, with the Facebook group, so the Facebook group that uh, Esprit is basically alluding to is uh, for Six Figure SMA, which is currently at the moment uh, my education company's only program because uh, we've been refining that, refining that, refining that, and. I assume what you're talking about is everyone in there, they're constantly posting success stories and just the general support in camaraderie. That yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. That's what I was looking for. And and just, you know, you, you talk about or you mentioned earlier just before we actually start filming how I kind of gamify everything. Yeah. When you're running a agency specifically, which is obviously what my education company is based off of, pretty much all of my students are running agencies remote. We're the remote team and with a focus on client results and just being as efficient, lean, and streamlined as possible. I know, I love it. Right? <laughs> yeah. so, so that's our main goal. Yeah. So what that means is more than likely you are going to be at home working alone for three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve hours a day. Right. And it gets lonely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why we like to. You'll notice in the group, we joke a lot. We gamify with the whole whale thing. So, you know, a whale client is basically a client that'll pay $8,000 a month mm-hmm. or more, right? Which alludes to roughly around 100000 a year. That's almost a, you know, a six-figure a year retainer. Right. So, you know, there's there's people in the group literally posting Photoshop of them. And then there's like fish clients and then shark clients. And it's almost like a tiered system. And totally. There, and, and there's, you know, people in there that they sign a client for $3,000 a month, which... Right which is almost a shark client, it's a fish client. And they'll literally post a, a photo and they'll Photoshop themselves on a, on a photo of a fisherman like holding a fish, Yeah. right? And, and then they'll do a whole debrief on it and we joke and we laugh and the live calls are hilarious. And, and then now people know my team and you know people see my Instagram stories and I have jokes about Danny the Colombian wizard and, and Kieran's eyebrows and... <laughs> And we joke about Billy and how he deadlifts like girl weights. Billy, <laughs> Billy's my personal trainer, by the way. And it, it's just build this community. And what I've wanted to do with entrepreneurship and really the way that I look at entrepreneurship is how can you gamify it and how can you, because look, here's the thing. At the end of the day, if you associate negative emotions to entrepreneurship, which most people do, they don't look at entrepreneurship as this fun thing that they can get excited about. They look at it as, as this thing, this pain they have to get through in order to get some reward. Totally. Right. In order to get the flashy car, the nice house, the this, the that, the travels. Instead, I want to make it so that entrepreneurship is so fun that you almost forget about all the other flashy stuff. Fine. That's a byproduct of it, but you have so much fun within entrepreneurship yourself. And that's what we try to do with a community where we have so many insight. We're literally in the community, we have an inside joke inside of an inside joke inside of an inside joke. And everyone, as I said, has gamified this whole agency signing clients thing. And I think that's why we have such ridiculous success stories in the group. And you have a really dedicated moderator mm-hmm. as well. Which oh, is Esteban. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, so Esteban. Yeah. Is, yeah. So, and that's a huge part of the group. So can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about so, your moderator? So Esteban is is one of the moderators. And Esteban actually used to be my cold call, my sales guy. Um, and I knew that, look, as I said, I need to be selfish in order to be selfless. So I have to do a lot of stuff for the agency or the education company in the background. So I can't be on the Facebook group answering questions every single day. But... I can have a full-time coach who is. And I wanted someone, not someone who I just found and they built a moderately successful agency. No, I want someone who's been there for the past two years as I built an advertising agency. And before that, I had a creative agency, more like a traditional marketing agency. So he's been here for the past two years. So he he knows everything inside out. So he's also there as a support. I, I really just wanted all of these different nets that if someone you know, falls through the crack on step one, then they'll get an answer on step two. And then if they have issues, they can always email support or they can wait for yeah. the live call or this or that. And he really cares, oh, deeply, yeah, he genuinely he cares. Does. And the piece that I, I'm sure you're aware of, but like that's impacted my life is when we talked about camaraderie, there's someone named Gavin. Oh, Gavin, he won your laptop yeah, 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 competition. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could talk about the contest you do too, but that was really cool of you. But anyway, so Gavin... He and I synced up. I didn't even know he was the laptop winner until later on. And we support one another. Every week we ask, okay, how many people have you reached out to? Like, what has been the success rate? What are your blocks? And I find that a lot of people in your community are holding one another accountable. It's it's literally a community of um of really nice doers. Like, everybody's mm-hmm. nice mm-hmm. and they're doers. Well, it's I mean, so you, cool. you, you, you attract... You attract what you are, and um, I feel as though in the way that I market and through my content and stuff like that, you know, I'm not, 
because I talk about things from such a holistic perspective, because I poke fun at myself, yeah. because I, I, I just feel as though it's the way that I do my marketing and stuff like that. And the way that I do my content marketing, my, my webinar itself, people, there's a certain type of person that's drawn to the community right. in the same way that there's a certain person that, you know, anyone who has a informational program, uh, has an online course, they have certain things about them that draws certain people in. Right. And, you know, I feel as though I, I, I've attracted that same sort of community. And totally. we're a community that, you know, wants to excel in every area of our life. Uh, we're a community that wants to be as efficient and lean as possible. Totally. And we want all of our buckets, whether that be health, wealth, relationships, we want them all at a 10. And, you know, the only way you can do that is just having such a monastic focus on yeah. just being so efficient, so streamlined, knowing exactly what you want, never settling for anything else, having super strong boundaries and just being systems uh, orientated, which is a big focus. Totally. And before we get into your school, we talked a little bit about like the contest. And so I'd love to dive in to the type of contest you do and your social media for a very specific reason. One thing that I feel defines you is hype is not why you are successful. Like you are not a false hype machine. I feel like any kind of like hype came from you already being successful and then people just really admired what you were doing where I I think most of what exists online is, um, photoshopped. (laughs) It's a manufactured moments and they're not real and you're the opposite of that. So can you talk a little bit about how you treat social? You also post, sometimes like unprofessional like, <laughs> and I'm always surprised. I'm like, Oh my gosh, how do his clients not get mad at these? How can they? But I really appreciate the authenticity. Yeah. So talk a little bit, about how do you utilize contests and then how do you handle your social in being a professional, but still being yourself? Stick around. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. How do you utilize contests and then how do you handle your social in being a professional but still being yourself? Uh, so with that specific contest, um, it was basically, I was doing a survey because uh, we're always trying to improve the program. So I was doing a survey and, you know, it's 30 questions long. And I knew that if I was like, hey, you know, uh, can you fill out the survey? You know, it'll really help for the next program, the 2.0 and any up and coming changes. Um, I'd get a few maybe weak responses. So I was like, okay, cool. Let me just incentivize this. So I'll just give away a fully specced out $4,000 MacBook Pro Insane. to the winner. So did that and uh, Gavin was the one. He got it within a few days. Yeah. You were on top yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I called him and then I think it arrived a few days later. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so yeah, that, that was absolutely awesome. Um, and I got so much gold. I, honestly, I would have paid thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 for the information on there. But got some absolute gold from that. Now in terms of social media, what I can do with my social media specifically for the agency because I, f- I feel as though for the education company, I don't need to be as professional and I feel as though people love the fact that they see me, I mean, at this point, they, they've seen my journey and they can see the past three, four months, I've been yeah. through a, a phase where I'm enjoying myself a lot more. Right. I'm going out, recently single <laughs> and stuff like that. And we compare that to, you know, for example, January, February, where you would have seen it on my social media, where I am literally working 12 hours a day. So I know what it's like to work three hours a day and still make multiple, multiple six figures a month. And I also know what it's like to work 12 hours a day and build systems so that way later I can reap the rewards from it and what's going to be working, as I said, 12 hours a day. And people get to follow that journey through and through. Now with my education company, as I said, with my personal brand, I guess, I'm just very honest and I'm very real and I'll, I'll, I'll make jokes and I'll have inside jokes and I'll have running jokes. And that's okay. I feel as though that's always going to be okay for my education company. Where it's not probably as okay is for my agency and the only reason I get away with it from my agency is because of the amount of money we make our clients. If I had mediocre for results for my clients, my clients would 
absolutely batter me for the fact that I tell, I openly say I work one to two hours a week on my agency. And the re- only reason I've been able to do that is because I've built and trained such a strong team. And that's taken me so long to accomplish to, first of all, source these people, give them so much as a company so that they'll stay with me and build such an incredible company culture, even though it's only a few of us uh, and gotten such amazing results for our clients. Because of all of that, any client logically should know the fact that it doesn't matter whether me as the founder is working one hour a week or 40 hours a week right. on the agency, as long as they're still getting incredible results. But people aren't very logical like that. So it's because of the results that we get that I'm a, I, I can, I'm kind of allowed to get away with yeah. that. And I'm kind of allowed to get away with the fact that on my social media, I'll make very crass jokes sometimes and I'll be very real and I'll talk about this thing and that thing. And I feel so that that's basically the only reason why. And I mean, your company culture is amazing. I've met your team and I, I just, the reason why you're on the podcast is I think all of you guys, we all follow the same people and the same kind of like hoop dream, Gary V, Tim Ferris, four hour work week. I don't know, just billion dollar acquisition. And what I love about what Iman does is it's so real and grounded and it's attainable. And you may, you don't, um, hoard your knowledge. You share your knowledge. You even read a book a week and you create cliff notes for your community. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. So with that and with your amazing team culture, um, you're actually taking your team to Nepal Mm -hmm. because you just bought a school. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about the school. Yeah. So, um, one thing that I don't see enough of in, I absolutely hate this term, the, the whole term guru. But like yeah. people who are, I don't, to be honest, I also hate the term thought leaders. <laughs> what would I class? Basically, people who have education companies, right. uh, info product businesses, yeah. and they do some content marketing in order to promote that. One thing that I, I guess just generally I don't see enough in my space is philanthropy, and that's something that I really wanted to change. Um, and I didn't want to do it in a small way. So you know, I look back at the last you know few years how blessed I've been able uh, to be by building the agency and the uh, education company to where it is now. And I, I look, I, I already know that there's some things that I'm working on that I, I can't reveal yet, but um, I definitely have not been focusing on sales and marketing. Uh, and I know within six months we'll be at a million a month. Like I already know. Yeah. So I've brought the company to a good place, but especially with the education company, I mean, it's, it's very clear that basically my, my mission is to reform the education system and it's very, very cool that I'm able to almost have like my version of university and my university of college because right. in my program, I don't only just teach hardcore agency operations, right. advertising, sales, stuff like that. I teach people how to meditate and I give yeah. people my book cliff notes and I even have sheets for the best documentaries to watch. And I have sheets for like, like, like biohacking and I have sheets for like, as I said, some new stuff that I'm working on. And on even like, calculators, on calculators and agreements. And, and agreements. Yeah. And, and you should see some of the latest stuff that mm-hmm. I'm working on. It, it gets even crazier in terms of like literally how to like sleep better, how to like this uh, detox protocols, this thing, that like it, it's getting, it's getting absurd now. Some of the stuff that I'm about to release. So it's so funny. I was in a, I was in a club yeah. two nights ago and this guy comes up to me and he's like, Oh dude, I'm one of your students. Like I just signed a, I just signed a huge $5,000 a month deal. That's so and I'm cool. and, and like, I get this. And then this, this happened to me at a restaurant, like, like literally last week yeah. so in, when I was abroad, I wasn't even, even in London, I was in right. Marbella. And you know, it, it just, it's, it's crazy to me how much the education company has changed so many lives. And that's all fine and dandy, but what about the people that don't even get a a seat at the table? And that's really what I'm trying to focus on with a philanthropy. For me, if you live in the United States, if you live in the UK, if you honestly, if you have internet and a computer, self-education is always going to be better than formal education, in my opinion. But what about people that don't have education at all? And that's really what I wanted to do. The education system is something that's so close to home for me. So... I have this online education company that is helping people build successful business at a rate that I've never seen before. But what about the people that are illiterate? What about the people that, as I said, don't even have a seat at the table? And I wanted to take this company that I've managed to get so streamlined, so profitable while helping so many people take a percentage yearly of how much we're making and donate that to uh, building schools in underdeveloped countries. So it took a while for us to find the right organization to do so uh, and the right vessel to help us do that. But 
We found the right one with the help of, of Kieran. Just donated the first 55,000 pounds to build the first school and going to be building in Nepal. In Nepal and going to be building uh, five, six more in the next 12 months. Um, and in December, I'm taking myself and the rest of the team and we're going to actually visit the first school that we built. And when I talked with, when I spoke with your team, they shared one of the reasons why they feel so dedicated to working with your company is because it's not just about the company and the money and the profit and all that kind of stuff. It's about the philanthropic efforts that you do and that they get to align themselves with the bigger vision. Mm-hmm. What is your philosophy on work culture? In terms of our, our, our company culture, it, there is no hierarchy. It's very decentralized. In fact, I, one of my, uh, one of my team members, Kieran, he actually wrote a full article on what it's like, uh, to work for me. It, it's, I think it's titled Iman Gadji, what it's like to work for the 19 year old evil genius. <laughs> and in there, he, he actually shares a lot of his frustrations. After reading that article, I actually changed a few things about the way that I, I run the company. Like before I u- literally used to talk to my team members for 30 minutes once a week. I remember. And he wrote about that in that article about how it'd be so frustrating and how he understood why, or there'd be times where, you know, he needed to reach me for something and I didn't, I don't, there's no way to reach me before one o'clock. I have everything turned off because I need, I need that deep focus. So really, as I said, there's no hierarchy. I run a very decentralized model when it comes to my company. And for me, I genuinely care about my team. All of my team works with Billy, who's my full-time health coach. So not only am I trying to focus on my sleep, my mental health, my physical health, you know, meditation. I, I also am trying to limit my screen time every day uh, and spend as little time as humanly possible on social media while reaping as many rewards as possible <laughs> from it. I want to do the same thing for my team. So I literally have Billy, who's my my uh, full-time health coach. He tracks my my um, my team sleep and I've got all my team aura rings and I got my entire team Viome. And, and aura ring is... Uh, it's it's basically like a, a sleep tracker, health tracker. Actually, one of our old clients, uh, incredible, incredible company. And Viome, which is basically like this gut microbiome test. I got myself that, and then I got the rest of my team that, and then they relayed that with Billy. So I genuinely care about whether my team is healthy, whether they're happy. I I like. There's genuinely been days where, for example, Danny, like we've got we've got some issues with client campaigns, or there's been infusion soft nightmares with with Kieran and I can genuinely tell he's stressed and I, I don't actually know if this is an invasion of privacy I have the physical data to back that up because I can because Billy will tell me in the morning when I train when he, uh, he trains me he'll be like dude uh, I've been looking at Kieran's HRV recently which means heart rate va- uh, variability and if it's low that means that you're not recovering well and he's like dude I think he's you know a bit under the weather I think he's a bit uh, underslept this and, and I will literally I will literally rejig Kieran's workload because of that. Wow. So it's, it's, that's cr- really cool because you're able to care more about someone. I, I, it's, it's, it's in the same way that I built such a support system in the uh, community for the education company within my own, um, it, just internally within my own company. I built the support system for my team in the form of Billy, as I said, my full time health coach where I will know when to push them, when to kind of ease off. Mm. I will know everything from their mental state to their emotional state to their physical state. Right. And as I said, I can kind of course correct uh, because of that. And, and you know, that means a lot to them. Uh, there's a lot of things I've done for them just in terms of when life's been a little hard. That's meant a lot to them. But, and as harsh as, and, and I, I mentioned this at, at, the, at one of the masterminds, they all know that I have backups for them. I know. I and, remember and, you saying and, that. <laughs> and, and that probably, because I was going, I was going on about it because someone asked me about company culture and I was going on about all of this incredible stuff that I do for my team and how I build great company culture. And once again, I've, I've read some amazing books on that. And then the thing I ended with, which is very, very important that you always have a boundary is, but they all know that I've got two, three backups that are probably better than them waiting in the background because I want my team to know how incredible their job is and that if they ever try to push me or if they ever try to test me or if there is a prolonged period, and I'm not talking, you know, a couple of days or a couple of weeks where they're under the weather and down in the dumps and, and maybe they might have some personal thing that's mm-hmm. affecting their work. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking if there's prolonged months where they're acting up or they're not performing to the level that 
and and you can tell I'm I'm someone who's very very meticulous yeah. and I will not take anything less than perfection and they know that and if they act up cool yeah. I've got three, four people that on paper are better than them yeah. and we'll replace them like that. And that's something that is very, very important to know. You know, um, if you work at Google or Facebook, you're appreciative because you know how good they are at recruiting yeah. top talent. Yeah. So you know that if you act up, you'll be gone in a second. Yeah. And that is why you work so well there. Yeah. Whereas if you're at another company and you know that the owner needs you and the founder needs you, and if you leave that, you know, things will fall apart. Right. Then you can start to act up. Then you can start to demand things that you you probably don't deserve. Um, and I hold that same philosophy too. I don't know if I learned this from you, but it was definitely like reinforced by your teachings. Is um, it's not the person that's broken; it's the process that's broken. And so, if somebody's not performing well, um, look at the process first, and then that same process can be applied to anybody. So you shouldn't have to be so reliant on a specific person because you have a strong process in place. Mm-hmm. Completely agree with that. (laughs) Okay, a couple last questions. Thank you so much for like sharing all of this. One, do you have a favorite tech tool? Hmm. As in piece of tech? Yeah, it could be software, hardware, Uh, software, website, Um, a mobile app. Couple things. My Aura Ring. Yeah, you do love your Aura Ring. (laughs) My my Aura Ring, uh, there's a thing called a Juve, which is near infrared light um helps with mitochondria testosterone stuff like that i I literally stand in front of that when i turn my phone on at 1 p.m so i I start replying to messages dealing with any fires as i've got this red light hitting my face so interesting Um, i'll google that and then apart from that i feel as though i'm actually looking around thinking of things um probably your focus your focus uh yes that's a really good app focus so I've never found anything as good as that. Actually, wait, Flux, really, really good one. Flux. Everyone needs to get Flux. Uh, lowers the Kelvin of your screen as you get closer to bed. Uh, it's almost kind of like um, Night Shift for your iPhone, except Night Shift is absolutely crap compared to uh, Flux. Flux is way better. And that's the one for your computer. Uh, I've got Flux. Focus is really good because Focus will basically block any apps uh, or website that you predetermine. And once it starts, it's on, and you put on hard lock mode, you, yeah. you can't take it off. Uh, so that Facebook feed eradicator. Yes, is, I install that because of you. Yes, why the hell would you ever need to see what your friends are up to? Uh, if you're serious, once again, it's nice to see what your f- old school friend is up to, but you need to be a little bit selfish in order for you to be selfless in the long run. So that, and then there's, um, it's called, it's got a weird name. It's like YouTube VK Facebook blocker. Mm. And what that'll do is that'll uh, block any recommendations on your YouTube. Right. So you don't end up down any rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Two last questions. What is a book you read a lot? You yeah. you shared before, like a few weeks ago, that uh, you've been reading a book a week since you were 14, mm-hmm. which is insane. Like, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite book? Uh, three favorite books is Reality Transurfing, uh, which I know you're about to start reading. Yeah. Um, uh, Way of Superior Man. Uh, and... Uh, Psycho Cybernetics. And describe each one. The Way of Superior Man is basically, uh, it's it's a book on polarity, masculine and, and uh, feminine polarity. And that's very, like, like there's there's women who ha- just have a very masculine polarity and there's men who have a very feminine polarity and understanding the two, I think, in a relationship is super important. And it's quite a quite an intense name, like Way of Superior Man. And most of the stuff in there is basically about like how you need to put your... Uh, purpose. Uh, uh, if you have a very masculine polarity, and that's whether you are a male or a female, just whether you have that masculine, you're more towards that masculine side. It talks a lot about how you you have to put your vision and your mission and your purpose before your relationships. And mm-hmm. it's funny, I've actually given that book to both of my ex-girlfriends, <laughs> and they both love it. They're like, oh, this is so correct, blah, blah, blah. Because what, kind of back to what I told you earlier, I know that unless I'm showing up 100% to work, health, um, stuff like that, I can't show up 100% to my relationships. Right, right. So that's that. And then there's a bunch of other just great stuff in that book. Um, a lot of it a little woo-woo, but still amazing. Reality Transurfing is, uh, it's actually like, it, it's a Russian book. It's like six books put together in one. Very, very dense. A lot of information on there. Uh, it talks about like energetic swings in there. It's, and it, it, it actually kind of uh, proves law of attraction except through quantum physics. Um, like the secret, like, okay, it's, it's a nice book, but it's very yeah. like, oh, just sit on a rock and think about it and it'll happen. Like, 
um, reality transurfing is a little woo-woo, but it's embedded in a lot of just very logical thinking. And it, after reading that book, I just believe so firmly in law of attraction and just really, a, a lo- yeah, yeah, a, a lot of different concepts uh, because it, it speaks more from my world, which is results and, and proof. And then Psycho-Cybernetics is basically, I mean, basically every single self-help book made since Psycho-Cybernetics, which was made in the 60s, uh, is basically just a copy of Psycho-Cybernetics. It's, a, it's about a surgeon, I, I believe it's in the 60s, about a surgeon and how, you know, he would literally uh, perform surgery on someone if they had a wonky nose or something. And it's not like surgery these days where like someone has the tiniest thing wrong with yeah. them and, <laughs> and they go under the knife. It's like, you know, people who had actual self-image problems because of, you know, some sort of issue with them. Uh, and how if after the operation, they didn't change their self-identity, nothing changed. So he actually, because he was a surgeon, he started doing a lot of uh, work in the psychology field. Yeah. And he started with with certain clients that genuinely didn't need the operation. Instead of operating on them, he would start working with them and start um, mending their self-image. And by the end of it, they, did, they didn't even want the surgery anymore Interesting. because they'd mended their self-image. So all three of these books are about yourself, your mind, your, your, your self-image, your worldview, and... Basically, just about making you and your your present state as strong as possible. And for me, I put those over, and I, I you know, I I care about my business over probably most things in life, and I care about results and building the life that I know I want. And yet, I'm choosing three books that are technically self helpy uh, rather than hardcore tactical business right, books. Right. And I've let I've read a lot of those. Uh, because to me, that is really the thing that makes the biggest difference. And it, correct me if I'm wrong. You started your company when you were 17. Um, I started the agency when I was 16. 16. Yeah. Yeah. And so from 16 to 19, you are bringing in in the agency alone 80,000 pounds net upward, and then and then you have the education company in that time. And since you started your journey, what's a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome, and how did you overcome it? A huge obstacle that I have overcome, I would say, was hovering around that 40, 50, 60, 70,000 a month mark. Uh, Because at that point, I recently turned 18, um, making like 50, 60,000 a month. If I think, yeah, 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 if if I think about it, all the boxes are ticked. My sense of self and my self worth, because everyone is telling me that I'm awesome. Right. So I have that lockdown. And to be honest, that's a large portion of why most people build businesses, even though they won't admit it, is, you know, they just want a bit of love and recognition and appreciation right. from people. Um, that's usually one of the main drivers. So I had that box ticked. You know, being able to do what I wanted in life. Yeah, sure. At, at 50, 60,000, 70,000 a month, I can't do as much as I can now financially um, and throw money around at things that I want. But I could do pretty much most things within reason right. that I would want to. So really there was no point for me to grow any further. And that's really when I reread Psycho-Cybernetics and Reality Transurfing and Way of Superior Man and uh, reread those. And and that's that's also the same time that I started gamifying more areas of my life mm. and, and putting really just putting in more systems. I also hired Billy around that time. You know, the other thing that, for example, Billy does for me in the morning, and I'm the only one who works with one-on-one, like in person, he has a very, very successful online um, fitness consulting business. To me, it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen the Usain Bolt documentary. Mm-mm. It's hilarious because he won the uh, Olympics twice. And then I think he, he won it the third time, right? Some, something along right. those lines. But before, I, I think it was the third time, before that, he was about to give up. And right. it was so interesting to He's see. He's like, I've already achieved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, was, he was like, so I think he won in 20, 2008, 2012. Yeah. And then it was pre-2016. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. But it's so interesting to see because he actually, at some point, he, he was about to retire. You, you know, he was about to break such a historic record. Right. He was about to give up. And it was so interesting to see the support systems he had in place. Yeah. So I realized for me, you know, somewhere beginning of, of last year is if I don't have more support, systems in place, then of course, I'm just going to go for the easiest option and just stagnate and stay where I am. So for me, you know, bringing in Billy was a huge, huge thing. 
um, because he was someone I could talk. And as I said, entrepreneurship is very, very lonely. So I start off my day joking with someone who is now one of my best friends as he trains me. Right. And as you grow and you start to reach more astronomical heights, I feel as though you need that you need that person who's that anchor and that support system for you, whether that be a relationship. Uh, and, you know, I'm very lucky to have tons of people in my life like that. But that was a, once again, that was a move outside of business that just right. had such an amazing impact inside of business. Um, so bringing in a support system and number two, as I said, gamifying more areas of my life and really gamifying entrepreneurship and finding more joy in the little things. I mean, it's funny if you look at my stories, like, I've got like this classical music playing as I'm, mm -hmm. as I'm making some tea. And I, I literally have tea in every single, like loose leaf tea in every single different variation. And yeah. I have matcha tea and I have coffee in every mm -hmm. single variation. And I, I, I have these things in my, and it's hilarious. Even I live in London. I get the same delivery driver because every two months I get a huge batch of liqueur that comes in. And, you know, the soda. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this guy asked me one time, he's like, what the hell is in these things? And I'm like, oh, it's, it's LaCroix. He's like, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's some sparkling water from America. He's like, so you get like sparkling water imported all the way from America? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, why? And I'm like, well, I work from home. It gets pretty, pretty boring, pretty lonely. So I have to find joy in the little things. So to me, with the way that I have my business run yeah. where I'm not coming into an office and I don't feel the energy of the office and the right. employees and stuff like that. I've needed just to find enjoyment in the little things as an entrepreneur um, and someone who's really just trying to keep things as lean and, and profitable as possible. I love it. And so one last bonus question, but before that, I mean, there's so much to learn from, from you. Like it's endless and you know, like I just like can't wait to continue to learn from you for years to come. How can people connect with you? Um, where can they say hello? How can they find out more? And talk about Billy too. Where can they find out more about biohacking their health? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So um, in terms of connecting with me, you can look me up on on YouTube. It's uh, I-M-A-N space G-A-D-Z-H-I, Iman Gadji. Same thing on Instagram. Um, if you want to go check out the education company, uh, watch the free training, just go to growyagency.com and you kind of have a look around there at some of the success stories, meet some of the people, um, you know, read a little bit more about our, uh, our uh, full circle approach, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, if you want to connect with Billy, uh, I think easiest way is probably just send him a, a DM on Instagram. It's it's Billy Harris, so B-I-L-L-Y, and then H-A-R-R-I-S. What is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Best piece of advice probably isn't a piece of advice. It is a, a concept yeah. uh, from one of my favorite books, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, it's this concept, and I... I took it so far as to literally have it tattooed on me, uh, private victories versus public victories. Um, you will absolutely kill yourself looking at social media and looking at other successful people and looking at their private victories, which is really all you see. For example, with me, you see my private victories, you see my lifestyle, what I can, the sort of things that I can do, the sort of things that I can buy, the way, uh, the, the way that I can take care of my family, my friends. And those are really all just the private victories. Mm -hmm. And you will wonder why you don't have those, but you won't see all of the private victories that go into that. You know, so it's so funny for one public victory, let's say buying a really, a, a nice supercar, right? Right. This, this huge feat, this huge achievement. It's so funny because yeah, what's, what's the pleasure that you get from, you know, buying a Ferrari or, or buying a McLaren or something like that? You get a decent amount of pleasure, but wears off after what, maybe a few weeks or something. Yeah. In order to get that, we're literally talking maybe three, four years of reading a book a week, of meditating every single day, of going to the gym every single day, of showing up and doing deep focus work every day. And that's, that's why I love the concept of public victories versus private victories, because it's almost, it's imagine this slingshot, right? The more you load it up, the more you pull it back, the more you withhold pleasure. Eventually, when you let go, you're going to get a much better private victory. But people don't really understand. Like when I see someone who has a, a nice flashy thing or a result in their life or a certain lifestyle. Right. I don't think about that. I think about, holy crap, they must have put in a lot of work for that. They must have had a lot of private victories that no one will ever know about to get to that point. So I just love that concept. That's a cool concept. It's funny on, on my team call this past week. Um, I told, I told everybody, I was like, you guys, it's going to be so crazy that when we're going to say it was five years to become an overnight success. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
thank you so much for spending your time, investing your time into helping me evolve as a business person, into the whole community, into like spending your night, like your free time on this podcast. If you want to connect and collaborate with more incredible people in LA Tech, when are you going to be in LA next? Hopefully it's actually funny enough. Yeah. I think once the lease is up on my apartment, um, I'm going to Nepal, obviously to visit yeah. the school for 12 days, back for Christmas, spend Christmas with my mom. And then I'm off to Mexico, actually, on an entrepreneur's retreat. But then after that, I think Billy and I, because I bring Billy everywhere. <laughs> um, don't know how to function without him. Uh, I think we might be going to LA for three months, potentially. Um, what? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, that's a story for another time. But uh, definitely, if you want to connect and collaborate with more people in LA Tech, go to the We Are LA Tech Facebook group at wearelatech.com. You could just search for the Facebook group at wearelatech.com slash VIP. takes you to the Slack group. And say hello on social at We Are LA Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. This is Iman Gadji. I'm the founder of IEG Media, which helps e-commerce and info products scale through online paid traffic, as well as Grow Your Agency, which helps budding entrepreneurs start and scale their online agency. You are listening to We Are LA Tech. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. Show notes by Carl Marty. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production.